Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Yes, we serve... We serve a great God, and I, I sense the energy. I mean, you like you want you want to take us somewhere. So we hope that at Twelve Stone Home, you're fired up. You came to get all God has for you. We're Twelve Stone Live. I hope in the room we are here, fired up to get all God has for us. Right? Same thing at Hamilton Mill. Let me hear you, Hamilton Mill. God has stuff for us today. I'm fired up for it. We are in week two of a 15 week series in Ephesians. And we're going to read through a section, teach it, then the following week, pick up again. So grab your Bibles. Here we are in week two, and we're going to jump into chapter one, Ephesians chapter one, and we're going to look at verses three to 14. And in this section, we're going to discover that, that Paul, the apostle on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is talking about our relationship with God. It's all relationship language, and it's rich language, that God does all this initiation, and we respond to him, that God blesses us and chooses us, predestines us and calls us, and, and, and God justifies us, and God forgives us, and he redeems us, and, and he, he freely gives us salvation, and, and on and on with this amazing relationship with God, all initiated by him, and we respond. So it's about the love of God for us. Oh, how well he loves us. And then we respond and we love him. So how well are you loving God? He's loving you really well. Love him well. So that's where, that's where Paul is going. And, and the most dominant, if you will, word pairing in the scripture we're about to read is this in Christ. Everybody say it with me. What is it? In Christ. That we are in Christ. And how is that possible? Well, it's 100% grace. We, we left off with this idea of the, the grace and peace of God. And so I, I want to jump into this scripture. And as I read it, in Christ is dominant. And usually I put it on the screen and we go through. This is a long section. I just want you to hear the beauty and the power of the language that Paul is writing. So just sit in this, absorb it. If you have it on your mobile phone, that's, that, that's fine. Or if you have a Bible. But otherwise, listen. And every time I hit the phrase in Christ, I'm going to point at you. So if if, you, if you're a 12 stone home, I don't care if there's two of you, 10 of you, 20 of you, 50 of you, wherever you're gathered across the county, across the country, across the world, or, or you're at one of the campuses live. When I point, y'all got to say loud and proud in Christ. Let's practice one, two, three in Christ. Now it needs enthusiasm. Do you need one more practice? I'll do it one more time. One, two, three in Christ. It's a beautiful thing. So I'm going to read eight times in 11 verses. It's, he says, in Christ, and you'll hear the context. Verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through 
Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious name, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So in Christ, we have also, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purposes of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in Christ with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance to the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory in Christ. That is so at the center because God initiates a relationship with him. And this in Christ is such a big deal because we were in sin. Without Christ, we are what? In sin. And we are 100% depraved. That's a literally, see, and if you don't understand this, the, the, the transformation power of in Christ is going to be a casual, meaningless, whatever, small kind of thing. But as soon as you understand where you are, where we all are, See, Paul's whole assumption is that you understand the power of in Christ because you understand your position in sin. We're totally depraved is how the theologians would describe it from Scripture. In other words, original sin means that we have an inherent bent to sin. And we got it from our, from our forefathers, if you will. That the original sin of Adam and Eve has transferred like supernatural DNA. Look, look at it this way from Romans. Here, here's what we learn. Just as sin entered the world through the one man, Adam, when Adam and Eve sinned, and death through sin, and in this way, death comes to all people. We, we have inherited sin, original sin. We are totally depraved. We are not merely sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Romans would say it this way. There is no one righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. See, the condition that we are in is that we are 100% depraved. See, sin... It's in it, original sin, inherited sin, total depravity. That's our condition before God. Our natural response is a bent toward sin. And, and when Paul talks about this, he even writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, which when he wrote to Timothy, Timothy was pastoring the church at Ephesus, right where we're studying. And in each of those books, he talks about Satan setting up traps, setting up what, everybody? Traps. Sin is a trap. It, we got caught in the trap. We, it, it's destructive. And yet, all this truth about our condition, the whole world's condition, every person before God, and, 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 and then we have polls done. I don't know why 
we do, I guess they're helpful. Here's a poll with evangelical Christians. And here's what they, here's, here's what the poll says. 66, 66% of people say people are good by nature. Go back here. It's, it's the complete opposite of what God is teaching. You're not good by nature. You're sinful by nature. And you don't understand the size of being in Christ until you understand the hopelessness of being trapped in sin. And part of why this breaks down and we're confused is because we have the imagery, perhaps, that, that being trapped by sin is like a, a mouse trap. It's something we can manage. We can get out of it easily. It's just no big deal. When we were kicking that around, Travis Billman and the team said, oh, let us play with that. So here's a couple of minutes. What's up, guys? We're here today to do the Mousetrap Challenge. This is a challenge where we're inviting three of our student pastors to run an obstacle course where the only obstacle is mousetraps, but they don't know that yet. So let's meet our competitors. Hi, my name is Jacob Bartlett. I'm a middle school pastor over at Hamilton Mill Campus. And I'm Sanders Poe. I'm the high school pastor at the Hamilton Mill Campus. And I'm Dave Carr, and I'm the high school pastor at our central campus. All right, so safety first. We want to make sure that we get you guys in some safety equipment. So we got you a sweatshirt, some eye goggles, and gloves. So how comfortable do you feel right now? Um, not comfortable. First one to get to the finish line gets a $250 Home Depot gift card. No joke. In addition, a $250 oh. Amazon gift card. Yeah, five hundred dollars on the line. Okay. Okay. Right. I care about this. Yeah, I care about this. Uh, you will want to have your shoes off for this. So go ahead and take your shoes off. All right. So you guys ready to check it out? Right this way. Oh my. So first person to get through the finish line, five hundred dollars. You have to stay within the boundaries, and you can do whatever you want to your competitors. <laughs> Are you guys ready? Yeah. Do you have your strategies? You good? No, I have Any no questions? Heart is beating so fast. Here we Can go. Can we test one? No. On your mark. Get set. Go. Much. Valentina, this is for you. Sanders really surprised me on that wow. one. Wow, you guys didn't even try. I really thought uh, Sanders and Dave shaking, were gonna bro. push each other out of bounds. Here's a question. Was it worth it? Oh, I, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Way to go, bro, congratulations. Everybody say ouch with me. Ouch, I know, you're doing this. I'm like, what are you applauding? <laughs> I mean, that was nuts. How many of you for 500 bucks would have gone down the mousetrap gauntlet and got snapped up? Yeah, because on the other thing, on the other end, it's like, it's worth it. You know why? Because it's just a mousetrap. Now, by the way, I just want you to know I would not do it. I would not. Call me wimpy. I don't care. I know it just stinks. I know you saw them. They're pulling mousetraps off their feet. But you know what? It's just a mousetrap. You can handle that. When we say... Mankind is basically good. We're not inherently sinful. We treat sin like it's just a mousetrap. No big deal. We can handle it. 
When in fact, what scripture is teaching us is that sin, original sin, is more like a bear trap. And you get caught in this, and it's a whole different experience. So, Matt, come on out here. This is a 12 stoner. Everybody say, hey, Matt. One, two, three. Hey, Matt. Matt, I hope you feel welcome. Come on out, buddy. Now, Matt, um, Matt is licensed for this, and I'm not going to actually get very close. Because, because this is a whole different arena of, of traps. And so he's, he's like literally licensed, bonded, and something happens. I'm over here. I didn't do it, and I don't want to be around it, and I, I don't want to experience it. However, I am very aware that there's a world of difference between a mouse trap and a bear trap. And I don't know if you've ever seen the real deal, but we're going to mess with the real deal here. So while he sets it up, let me talk a little bit about this. Because scripture tells us that, that we were designed for God, to be in relationship with God. But what sin does is it traps us and it costs us immensely. We were created to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And when we move from in sin by the initiation and grace and provision of God to in Christ, we can then hunger and thirst for righteousness because he transforms us and deals with sin from the inside out. But without him, we hunger and thirst, well, for sinful things, where we're bent to the wrong things. So we say we're not that bad. We're basically good people because we compare ourselves to one another instead of comparing ourselves to the holiness of God. And God says that there's no one righteous and that sin is a trap and that it is destroying the best things in life. And if you keep thinking in theology that all you're really dealing with is a mouse trap. Well, you'll just treat sin and original sin, inherited sin, in sin, no big deal. We can handle it. So we hunger for things. Well, we're going to set up a trap back here. It's going to be fun, isn't it? Why don't you set up, why don't you set up this trap? Because he, he did this for me. I'm like, all right, we're putting this on stage, right? Because you, you, you don't want to just look at him. You want to experience him, don't you? I mean, I think that's what you want. So, so we'll go ahead and experience them. We, we, we hunger for things that, well, that, that, that aren't necessarily good for us. They're not right. They're not holy. They're not pleasing to God. We, we hunger for a bent towards sin. Like out of curiosity, in fact, well, I, think, I think we're going to do something with a little. Bruce, bring out the, the, the donut thing here. How, how many of you have, have, have hungered for the donuts of life? You know they're not right. You know you shouldn't go after it, but, but you've hungered for them. And, but you've made promises to yourself, I'm done with that. Like maybe you've come out of COVID and you got sloppy and you, you, now you got to get right. And we're not even out of COVID yet, but you're like, I, I can't keep eating the donut. How many of you have ever promised yourself, I'm going to eat the right things? How many of you ever promised yourself any time in life, I'm going to eat the right things? Hang on. Now drop your hand. And how many of you have been so tempted and hungered for the wrong things that you went ahead and grabbed the equivalent of the donut? You see it? It's everywhere. That's original sin. <laughs> so let's just have a little bit of fun. There's the donut, the things that we hunger for. Why don't you just do that? But I'm going to get over here because I just, 
I just want us to see that. So, so when you get drawn to sin, go ahead, Matt, help, help us out. And, and we just want to see visually what happens when the trap snaps. Yeah. And it shatters the most important things in life. And we thirst for things to quench us. Maybe even in these COVID seasons, we end up thirsting for addictive things and to try and fill empty things. And, and when we do, it, well, it blows up the best things in life, which I thought, man, why don't we try it? Just, and I've seen that one before, so go ahead. Yeah, no, I don't want a poncho. I just want distance. Okay, so, so cheer on a little bit, because we want to, Matt, let, let's just look at what happens with the bear trap. <laughs> and watch the front row. That's, you're having too much fun, buddy. Count it down. Three, two, one. And all scripture is saying is that Satan sets traps. And when he does, it blows up the best things in life. That's what sin is doing to us. Literally that you're caught in sin. You got one more. I want to, let's do one more. Um, I just need a, I need a caught. Oh, this will do. Who cares? Lee loves me. I don't. I think it's Lee's. You're caught. I need something to. I need caught. Just take it. Just do. Just do what I'm asking. Just, just try and put it. Well, it's just a guitar. I, I don't play guitar. So, so, so when we say caught in sin, this is the imagery of scripture. I want some distance again. Just go ahead and and give it a shot. Yeah. Caught. Meaning that you are desperately caught in sin, ensnared. You're not getting out. You're not just walking. This isn't a mouse trap. This is a bear trap. The imagery that God was giving us is that we are so desperately, hopelessly caught in sin that there's no help on our own. It's the richness of Ephesians 1. All that God did to get us out of sin and in Christ. Everybody, let's thank Matt for just giving us the visual of all this. And Now, let's talk about this. In fact, you guys can bring out the whiteboard, and we'll go right back to the teaching and the framework for what it was setting up in our soul that, that, that Paul's trying to help us understand. In Christ, the richness of being in Christ is all initiated by the grace of God. And for us, it's just response. And John Wesley was a spiritual leader, really used by God in the mid-1700s to help bring about, if you will, the great awakening. And Wesley sat in scriptures like Ephesians 1 and Romans 8. And, and he taught it this way just to give us a sense of the richness of what it means to be in Christ. That what we have to look forward to is that we 
will be glorified with Christ. That we have this heavenly promise, but before we can ever be glorified in Christ, we got to be justified. We got to be made holy. We got to deal with our sin, but we're not capable of doing that. So therefore we're going to be called, have to be called. God's going to have to do all the work and the initiation for us. We're going to have to be woke if you were. And, And before we can be woke, understand that we are predestined by him to, to conform to the image of Christ. But before that ever happens, God has foreknowledge. God foreknows. And when Wesley walked through, they said, so, so forward the path. Know this, that God foreknows. God is all knowing. Which means that God is not in time. He's over time. I mean, he stands above it. He is not bound by time. He created time. He doesn't live in time. Therefore, all at the same time, he sees you before the foundations of the earth, in your mother's womb, your life on earth, how you will respond to his grace, and your eternity. And God doesn't even really have a foreknowledge or afterknowledge because everything is present knowledge for God. He doesn't discover things. He's all-knowing. It's a dangerous thing to, to get lost and then, well, God discovers this and this is after knowledge. And so when we get lost, how, how do we understand God's foreknowledge and foreordination of things? And it, it's, it's, it's all really quite theologically deep and wide and philosophically. We get lost. And, and, and when he's teaching, he says, now God has foreknowledge and he knows how we will respond to this grace. And God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. That's why 2 Peter chapter 3, he said it's the heart of God. He's being patient. Jesus hasn't returned, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to salvation. And God has predestined us to conform to the image of Christ, to be like Jesus. But it's not possible for you to be like Jesus. In fact, most will not respond to his grace. And it's impossible for you to respond to to Jesus unless you are woke. Woke because you are dead in your sin. And so you can't respond. You're 100% to pray. There's really nothing good in us compared to the size, the scope, the purity, and the holiness of God. So therefore, God has to wake you up. You're called by him. And if you will respond to his grace, he does all the work. He does all the initiation. He initiates the love. He makes it all possible. We merely respond in love. And when you respond and surrender him, you are justified. This is what he means. You are made holy through the work of Christ. And then you're in the sanctifying process. And the sanctifying process while we're here on earth means we join the mission of God. We become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and he lives in us. And we seek to be holy as he is holy. And that is all empowered by the work of, of the Holy Spirit in us until we are glorified and we go to heaven. And this amazing journey and process is all by the work of God to move us from in sin to in Christ. And so when Wesley was teaching this, it's why he drew from Romans chapter 8. 
And here's what it says. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who love him. See, we already know God loves us. We already know the work that he's done and the richness of the language and the theological depth of the work of God to make possible salvation. He does all the initiation. But we know that in all things, therefore, God works for the good of those who love him, our response, who have been called according to his purpose, his work, for those God foreknew. Huh. He foreknew. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And it goes on that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and those he predestined. He also called and those he called. He also justified and those he justified. He also glorified this movement from in sin to in Christ is only possible by the initiation of God in the midst of us, lost in sin. That's the love of Christ. Now, there is a depth to this that almost begs a long conversation, like a 60, 90-minute conversation. For those who are in this realm and want to know the things underneath, you know that this begs a long dialogue about theology, things like Calvinism, Arminianism, and Wesleyan Arminianism. In fact, I wrote out what I know are many people's questions and comments along this line, asking things like this, just, you know, eternal security or lose your salvation. Can you live like hell and still go to heaven? If you claim to be a Christian, but don't follow Jesus, are, were you really ever saved? Since God loves everyone, doesn't that mean we all go to heaven as in universalism? Does predestination? Predestination really mean God chose heaven for some and hell for others? Or does predestined mean he has chosen us to be like Christ, but we have to choose him? Or will the Bible even support such a simple, clean theology? Is it biblically messier than this? On and on it goes. Well, you know what? Here's the deal. We don't have time on a Sunday morning to deal with it. Take me 60, 90 minutes. But if you want it, listen. Some of you are saying, bring it. Bring it. We want to know that process. We want to know that you say that you just overwhelm me with emails, social media. And if we get hundreds of, I don't know how many, you just, you start doing it. You say, I will go do the 90 minutes. PK, do the 90 minutes. PK, do the 90 minutes. You see enough of you say that. We'll probably go do the 90 minutes and pass it along to you. Everybody got it? All right. So. We now are at this in Christ and he is our only hope. He is our only hope for humanity and for eternity. Listen, I, I wrote it this way. It's not national politics. It's not utopian philosophy. It's not self-help. It's not economic upswing. It's not man-made peace. It's not education. We have no hope apart from in Christ because we are in sin. And God loves us. Everyone say, yay, yay. Thank you, God, that you love us. That's how well God loves us. So when you read scripture, like, like, God in all things works for the good of those who love him. What it means is you're in the midst of COVID and, and, and you're, you're, you're in the midst of uncertain economics and uncertain times and, and, and race and justice issues and, 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 and relationships, strain and stress at home. And it's in your marriage, it's in your family, it's in your work. And you don't know how the work thing is going to work out. You know how the, 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 this whole uh, political thing, I mean, the division, the, the polarity, how is all this get solved? My kids are at home and I get, what are we going to do in this COVID is still not solved. And we have the grace and peace of Christ because we know in all things, God works for the good. He's working for our good. I mean, the good, bad, and the ugly. We ultimately have peace knowing he's doing this because he loves us. And yet, and yet, how well do we love him? 
I was getting my hair cut, and the, and the, the gal who was washing my hair, which I've known for a while, and she just, we, we just talking, and we ended up in the COVID conversation. She said, you know, you know, I'm in a funk. F-U-N-K, I'm just in a funk. I'm like, I get that. Anybody else get that? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll have to describe for you what you... And I said, you know, we just got to get the funk out. And then I thought, yeah, I can't say that. That might sound wrong. So I'm careful with that. So I backed up from that. I said, but, but every... she wasn't talking about the 70s funky town stuff. She's talking about this. Because some of you might not know, funk is a blue funk. This is the, the, the dictionary definition, a low place, a mild state of depression. I mean, has, if you ever, you, you ever get, I get pulled into that. I don't want to get pulled into it. I get pulled into it. Don't you ever have circumstances? All right, let's do it here. Anybody ever have circumstances pull you into kind of a funk and the, and the effect of that? I, it happens to me. I, you know what? I, I think we say, how does everybody do so well? I don't think they are. I think COVID is kicking their butts like mine. I just think, I, I think it's affecting us more than we confess. And I don't want it to. Honestly, I, I would like to be more like Paul. I read Paul, and every time I read, he's writing from prison. And it's like, I never have a faith funk. Well, good for you, because I do. Because, like, I, like, I want, but, but do you ever read scripture and have it annoy you? I mean, Paul annoys me a little bit. I have people in my life that annoy me. Do you know, do you know people who, like, should be in a funk, and they're not, and you find them annoying? Okay, maybe, look, I have people in my life, like, like I've gotten close to John Maxwell. He's, he's a mentor. And, and, and you see this up and optimistic and God will work all things together for good. And I'm like, that's not true. So I got time to get close to the guy. Man, he is annoying. I'm like, John, you need to be down a little. You just, you just need to be, you need to join the rest of us in this low funk depression. He said, no, I'm just, oh, whatever. Good for, he annoys me. And I love him. I'm grateful. I wish I could be like, I had somebody like that here at the church, Corey Baker. Some of you might know Corey Baker. And I watched Corey, I, like I, I honestly, from a distance, I don't know if I ever told him that this way, I'm like, you can't be real. You got to be plastic. Again, nobody, nobody goes through that kind of garbage and, and is okay on the other side. And, and then I watched him. I watched him go through season in 07 to, to 09. And I watched this massive business that he built just tank and the, what the economy did and the turn and the timing that it hit and lose everything. I mean, lose this beautiful house that he built, etc. I watched a, somebody he knew buy his house when, it, when, it, when he lost everything, and he said, oh, you're going to love this house, and he went and showed him all that he built into the house. I'm like, you lost it, bro. Would you get depressed with the rest of us? What's wrong with you? He's out there praying, oh, God will work all things together for you. You know what? God rebuilt everything. The guy's in a whole new place. I'm like, wow, I love you, and you are annoying to me. Uh, Jay Feely, he, he's that kind of guy. He was a kicker for the, for the Falcons and then went to a couple other teams. And, and I got to know him and I thought, he's not real. He's fake. He's always like, oh, God is going to, nah, come on. Nobody lives like that. Get depressed. You, you've sucked at times in your business. I recognize, oh, no, I do. I watched when he, when he missed three field goals when, when, when he was playing for the Giants and lost the game that they should have won. And, and Saturday Night Live did, a, did a, a, a spoof on him. He's like, look at that I got on Saturday Night Live. I'm like, they're laughing at you, bro. You failed. What's wrong with you? He says, you watch. I'll go get the winning one next time. I'm like, he annoys me. I've heard some suggest that if you were a better Christian, you wouldn't fall into a faith funk. Well, then I'm not a good Christian because I do. I don't want you to think I do, but I'll just own it. I do. 
listen carefully, I don't stay. I don't stay there. I can go there, but I don't stay there. You hearing me? I don't stay there. I know how to climb out. I want to spend the next few moments helping you understand how do you climb out. See, I think Ephesus was in a faith funk. Paul wrote the letter to him in 60 to 62 AD, about 30 some years later. John on the island of Patmos is writing and Jesus evaluates the church at Ephesus and he says, this is what I have against you. You do not love me now as you did at first. You don't love me now as you did at first. Dude, hang on. You used, you used to love me. You used to be so grateful that I took you from in sin to in Christ. Your heart was so filled with gratitude. My mercy was new every morning. You used to worship and pray, seek me and lean in. And now it's just all head. Oh, I still believe, I still believe. You know, I think that happens to us in times like COVID. It's hard to own. It's hard to see. I'm not sure Ephesus saw it. And then Jesus gave him the solution. And he, here's the solution. He later writes after this and he tells him, you need to remember, repent, and return. Say it with me. You need to remember, repent, and return. Now say it together so I can hear you, even you at 12 Stone Home. What do you have to do? Remember, repent, and return. And here's the most important piece. Do the things you used to do. Do the things you used to Listen, when you get in a faith funk, when you get in a marriage funk, when you get a financial funk, when you get in a family funk, work funk, listen, how do you get out of the funk? <laughs> do the things you used to do. Because what you don't recognize is many times you got into the funk because you quit doing the things that built it. That built the marriage, built the family, built the life, built your finances, built your faith. Bruce, my friend, come on out here. By the way, Bruce is one of the most dedicated volunteers and servants at this church. He makes sure everything happens on stage. He's just, he's just a volunteer, my brother. I'm so grateful to you. Thank you. You got to help us. Now, church, I got to explain something to you. I, I was involved in the prayer yesterday uh, for the weekend. And, and as I was involved in the prayer, and, and we prayed for today and we prayed for you. We do every Saturday at 8 a.m. I've been praying every Saturday at some point on Saturday for every Sunday for like 28 years. We prayed together. You can be a part of it. You can do it online. But anyhow, when we got done and I explained where we're going and where we're praying, Simo said, man, as you were praying, I got the vision of Jenga. Now, look, I already wrote my message. It's so tight. I got to be inside timelines. They, I'm constricted. Get inside the time. People can't listen to you that long. Well, well I got hours of stuff to say. I'm trying to compress it. I'm trying to help you. And then Chris comes up with a good idea, and I'm so annoyed because the idea is so good. I got to add it, and, and I'm supposed to subtract stuff, and now he's adding stuff. What kind of friend is that? But it's so good. It's going to help you because you need it visually. In, in, in our journey of life, after a while, with time, all of us can have that effect where we get tired of doing certain things. You get bored of doing certain things. There are things that have gone on and things that you did in your marriage and, 
And when you did them in your marriage, like, oh my goodness, that was help building the marriage. And then what happens after a while is you find, oh, you know what? I'll pull that out. I'll quit doing it. It's still standing. It's not a big deal. It's still standing. I mean, you don't have to, like, you, when you get done, you're like, you know what? That was no big deal losing that because, well, I don't know if I get rid of that one. And it, yeah, no, I can. I can. I don't need to do that anymore. And a whole bunch of stuff that you once did, you're no longer doing. And when that happens, you're like, it's no big deal, but you end up getting into a funk and you don't recognize that things are being lost. And the longer you do this, the more unstable you become. How do you recover when you lose your first love with Christ in your faith, in your marriage? That happens. It's happening in COVID. Sometimes you think the longer your marriage, the better married, the better it's going to get. That is not always true. Sometimes it gets worse. Familiarity breeds contempt. Kids leave. Empty nester sounds awesome until you are. Then you're like, hey, I'm stuck with the marriage that I had when I had the kids, but they distracted us. Now I'm stuck with you. <laughs> All this time we've been about the kids. It's time to be about me. I can't be about me if it's about you. So it can't be about you. It's got to be about me. Don't kid yourself. And I'll get in a funk. And you don't even know it, but you get there by pulling things out of the very things that were once built. And Jesus gives us insight. He says, go back. Now, what, let's, here's, when he says, remember, quick thought. You know how in our culture we often say, uh, could you get your older self to talk to your younger self, right? You ever think, like, like if I could talk to my younger self, man, I'm in my 50s, late 50s. Wow, if I, I hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going after 60 here someday, uh, if I make it. And, and you get your older self, if I at this stage of life could go talk to myself when I was in my 20s, all the insight I could give myself. You know what Jesus is saying? Don't worry about your older self going and talking to your younger self and giving advice. Hang on. He says, go to your younger self and get advice. Because when you were younger, remember when you had fire and zeal and passion and love? Remember when you had that in your marriage? Go back and talk to your younger self and get back to the zeal. Remember when you came to faith in Christ when you were younger? You got baptized. God was transformed. You go back to your younger self and recall, remember, remember your great fire and passion. Restore that by going back. And then look how far you've fallen from that and repent over that gap. And then do what? Go and do the things you once did. In other words, go put these back in the Jenga tower. So, so that means that marriage funk is often because you quit doing the things that built your marriage. So I got to go to my younger self and I got to remember my younger self. And in my younger self, I used to beg God, oh, let me, oh God, please bring Marcia into my life. Like when I met her, I'm like way over my head, I'll punny my coverage. It'll be a miracle. Oh God, make her fall in love with me. And he did. It was a miracle because he, he like clouded her so she couldn't see Reel her right in. And I'm in love. I'm going to serve her. I do. I'm for you, baby. You first, not me. And then over time, man, don't you get bored of that? Like, I cannot keep making you first. How do you build, rebuild marriage funk? You know what? There was a time. When she was first and I had to serve her, I had to give her the better half of the bagel. You know what? I got to put that back in. Come on now, church. You got to get this. You got to put that back in. You got to go back. You want to you get out of the funk? You got to go back and put in the tower, the things that built it and made it strong. 
You got to go back to date night. Like, you know what? We used to do that. Well, then get back to it because I'm telling you something. If you don't go invest in one another and build the intimacy, you're going to lose. This thing's going to fall and it doesn't fall by accident. It falls by neglect. So you got to go back and put in the things that you once did. Emotional funk often because you, becomes because you quit doing the things that build mental health. So you need physical activity. Marsha and I have been walking more in COVID than we ever have any time in our life. You need, to, you need to stop work and, and, and make sure you worship everyone in every seven days. Why? Because you got to engage the living God. Why? Why? Because listen, the stress of the season, if you don't stop and know that he's God, if you don't pray and stay in his word, you won't know that in all things God works together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. you got to get the grace and peace deep in your soul. If you don't do that, you don't have mental health. you got to go put those disciplines, prayer and worship and connect with God. You got to put the physical activity in your life that helps you. Maybe you got to pull back from social media because it's polarizing. It's designed to be sensational. So pull back from it. Reconnect with some friends. If you can on COVID, do it on Marco Polo, but reconnect. Get your, get your mental health back because you're losing stuff and you quit doing things in COVID that you need to go back to. You get in a financial funk because in COVID you start like, well, I'm going to buy my way out of boredom. No, you're not. You're going to put yourself in the funk. You used to honor God with first fruits. We'll get back to it. Put it back in. You used to save instead of spend. Well, then, then go after saving before spending first. Rebuild what builds your life. Come on. You know this is the practical stuff. Jesus is trying to help us understand. And, and, and this funk to, to, to quit doing the things that we once did that built our faith has to change. But let me tell you, for us as a church, this is who we are. We are biblically conservative and socially compassionate. Say it with me. Who are we? Biblically conservative and socially compassionate. I didn't feel fire. I still got fire. I need you to join me. What is it? Biblically conservative and socially compassionate. Biblically conservative means we do not take blocks out of the Jenga tower of God's word and redefine God's words to accommodate culture. We just, the scripture is truth. We don't pull them out, but equally we're socially compassionate. I mean, we get off our donkeys like the good Samaritan did interpret it any way you want. And we serve who we are. It's who God's called us to be. By the way, you did that recently last month when you gave like a, a, over a thousand computers and technology to people who are disadvantaged in the territory because kids need it for education. I mean, that's just socially compassionate. It's who we are. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars of technology you just gave away. You know what we discovered in that? Here's stuff you don't know. I'll just take a moment to bring it up and then move on. God, wrap it up. But, but we... We discovered that they don't have the Wi-Fi they need. So they got all the technology. They got no Wi-Fi. Don't have the resources. So we helped with that. Here's some of the response we got. The families at our school have greatly benefited from the donated computers and now the Wi-Fi hotspots. Many of our families do not have financial options for Wi-Fi. And they've tried to take their kids to local business with free Wi-Fi to complete assignments, often finding the local place closed, unable to accommodate their children safely. So thank you for, for all that you're doing to support our students and our families. You have changed their lives for the better. So hang on. So the county went to the, the service providers, created this security protected hotspot option for families, but they still have to be bought. So I just want you to know, church, that you recently bought Wi-Fi 
for a thousand families, which is multiple kids per family, and made it possible. It's over $200,000 of sacrificial investment that you just made. So I want to say something. I am proud of you, church. I just want to say, I am proud of you. You are giving people, you get off your donkey. Hey, we don't just post one matters. We actually do stuff. We actually do something about it. You know, there's a lot of donkey hee-hawing on social media that comes to nothing. But you all actually do something about it that makes a difference in people's lives. I love that about our church. That's who we're created to be. That's how we're going to be. How do you get out of a faith funk? You're going to have to get back to doing the things that you once did. So what do you have to get back to? Hey, maybe you're red light and, and, and it's not time. Maybe you're red light on COVID. It's not time for you to get back in the room. That's great. Stay, stay in and grow and go after 12 stone home. Maybe you're under a higher risk with age and, and, and health issues. Great. Stay home. Be a part of 12 stone home. Fine. We get it. But a whole bunch of you have become green. Your kids are in school. And the truth of the matter is you're getting sloppy about your faith. COVID created poor habits. And you got to put the Jenga block back in. Go do the things you once did. That's why we're opening campuses. We opened Central. We opened Hamilton Mill. Here's what I want you to know. And on October 11th, we're then going to open Snellville and Buford campuses. Coming next. What comes after that? We'll keep you informed. We'll let you know. All that to say is stuff gets pulled out of the Jenga tower, and it's got to be put back, do the things you once did. You know what? Volunteering got pulled from us and how God forms us. You got to get back to that. You're going to be asked, encouraged, volunteer, be a part. Hey, if you're green light, get in. Look, I, I don't know where God would say you have pulled on things that you need to do, but I want to pray for you because they can be restored. Bow your heads with me. Father, you can restore where we get caught in a funk. Right now, you're going to speak into marriages. You're going to speak into relationship. You're going to speak into our finances, speak into our faith. There are things we once did And we quit. Maybe we've lost our first love for you. And we've got to get back to doing the things we once did. And the good news is that you can restore, remake, rebuild. If we would just return. God, I pray for a massive move of your spirit. You love us so well. Help us love you well. And right now we declare to you. And just tell them, God, I get it. I know what it is right now. This is what I have to get back to doing. Do the things you once did. It's practical. It's theological. It's transforming. I'm going to do it by your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.